Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Let's stand and give God some praise. He's worthy of all of our praise, all the honor and all the glory. So let's lift him up on high, but he's worthy of it. Amen. Where we'll ride. 
glad that you belong to him. Aren't you glad that you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? That he is the Prince of Peace, the bright morning star. That he loves you. That he's given his all. He's given his only son for you. And in the midst of all the music and all the playing, all of this, it's all about him. It's all about the King. It's all about getting into the throne. It's all about getting into the throne room. Getting into the throne room. Let's worship at his feet and give him praise this morning.
was all about you Oh, there's none like you No, I'm gonna worship Sing with me Cause I'm gonna worship you forever I'm gonna worship you Yeah, I'm gonna worship you forever
with you, Lord, it always leaves me wanting more. Here's our praise, you can dwell within. Come again, let the glory It's not what 
everything apart from you Let it fall away Let it fall away Come and fill this room But anything apart from you Let it fall away Let it fall away It's not what you want to do Anything apart from you Let it fall away Let it fall away Father, anything that's apart from you Anything in our life, Father, that doesn't glorify you Anything that doesn't lift you up Anything that grieves your spirit every time you see it. God, burn it up. Let it fall away. God, as we, we worship you and as we praise you in your, at your feet in the throne room, God, purify us. Bring to light. Let us see those things, God, that grieve your spirit. God, that's all that's left is what glorifies you. All that's left is what magnifies you. What's that first thing that just came to your mind when you sang those words, let it fall away? What is that thing that you gripped onto and you say, but oh, everything but that, Lord. Everything but that. He says, okay, well, if I can't have it all, then there's nothing else. If I can't have it all, then I'm not your Lord. If I can't have it all, wants it all or nothing there's no in between there's no in between that first thing that came to your mind you say oh well that wasn't it's not that bad but it, but if you ain't willing to let it go then it's enough to keep you from him
Apart from 
private time in the Lord with the Lord and in the word it was in the book of numbers to make this just brief because it fits with the last three songs that we've sung actually almost every one this morning but the people of Israel had rebelled against God sent spies into the land came back with a negative report if you don't know about that you can read about that but God had come to a place where he was done with the people he was just like that's it and Moses and Aaron fell on their face before God and interceded and asked God to forgive the people and God does but there's a statement that he made that really stood out to me this morning it's in Numbers 14 and beginning with verse 20 says and the Lord said I do forgive just as you asked nevertheless as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord none of the people who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have tested me these ten times and have not obeyed my voice they shall uh, in other words he said in the land that I swore unto their uh, forefathers they shall not see it so he makes a statement he said they saw my glory they, all, they saw the signs and yet they still rebelled against me and I was like wow is it, that's possible to do that to see the glory of God to see the miracles and the signs and the provision and still rebel against God and I thought how important it is that we guard our heart but then he goes on and makes this statement but my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, that there would be a generation of Caleb's who have a different spirit. They would not take for granted the things of God. They would not take for granted the blessings of God. They would not take for granted those things. But they would believe and they would wholeheartedly go after God. We just sing, says, Lord, we come into this place. Whatever doesn't belong, get it out. Take it out of there. And, and that's what creates a difference. Because otherwise, we can... We can see the glory, we can experience the blessings, we can experience the glory, we can experience God, and yet still miss Him. And miss out on the very thing that He had promised. And I just 
felt impressed this morning that we always have a time of prayer that we take a moment to pray that God that we would be people who are wholeheartedly after you and then let's pray for the churches across America that there would be such an awakening in, in the churches across our nation whether it's from the pulpit or whether it's in the chairs or the pews or wherever they meet that there would be a, a people who would ra we'd be raised up who would say Lord wholeheartedly after you that's what it's going to take that's what it's going to take for our nation to be touched by God can we pray right now? First, let's pray for ourselves. As Pastor Justin just said, search your heart. Is there anything that you're holding back? Is there anything that you've allowed to come in? Is there anything there that's become a hindrance, that's become a roadblock, that's become something between you and your walk with God? Because the thing here it said about Caleb, it wasn't just that Caleb was going to get to go in. He said, and all his descendants. That means your decision, my decision now has, has a lingering effect that goes on down. So it's not just me, it's not just you, it's those that follow after you. So can we pray right now that God, we would be a people, a generation wholeheartedly going after you, obeying you, not because we're dutifully bound to do so, but we desire, we desire, Lord God. We delight in your word. We delight in your law, the psalmist said, Lord God. We don't look at it as a, as a burden, Lord. We, we, we see it as a path of life itself. And, and God, as we follow that path, the blessings of God, the mercy of God, that all of that follows us, Lord God. And God, that we would be such, so in love with you, that God, we would just say our hearts would be instantly grieved the moment we do something contrary, contrary to you. God, we would weep and cry before you. We wouldn't just blow it off and go, oh, well, God will forgive me for that. God, help us from be becoming so calloused in our conscience and in and, and our minds be seared and hardened towards you. Our hearts, God, let us be pliable in your hands. Let us be instantly grieved when we sin against you. And call upon you, Lord God, that you would forgive and you would purge and you would cleanse. God, we saw that when Moses intervened for the people, even though their sin was great, you forgave. And yet, God, you said there is, there is, there is one. There is that one whose heart is for me. They will see those things. God forbid that we would be a church, a, a, a people, Lord God, who, who could only talk about what was at one time. Because, God, we've wandered away from you in our hearts. 
God, know we're going after you with all our heart. God, that we will find you. Not that you're hiding, but God, you're waiting for us to come. God, we pray for the churches in America today. God, we talk about a great awakening. There is only one who can awaken the soul. There is only one who can awaken the heart. There is only one who can remove the blinders off of the eyes. There is only one who can remove the scales from spiritual eyes that they might see. There's only one who can open spiritual ears that they were no longer deaf, Lord God. There's only one, and it's you, Lord God. We are desperate for you. God, invade your churches, Lord. God, move in, whether they've closed the doors or not. There are those that are hungry, that are crying out for you. They're desperate for you. They're dying to see you move in their midst. There are parents, there are grandparents, great-grandparents that are praying for their children and their family members, Lord. Caleb had the blessing that his descendants would enter in. God, let we pray that God, the, the, the remnant of those who are still sold out to you, that their children and their children's children and their children's children's children, God, that they would come to you. There would be a great influx, a great harvest of souls, Lord God, and lives that are changed drastically. God, let there be an intervention in our school systems. Yes, we're coming to the end of the school year, but God, we are desperate for a move of your spirit among students and teachers, Lord, that would light up the, the halls of darkness. Great awakenings must be more than just historical facts of the past. They must be present. They must be now. Do it now, Lord. Do it now. We call upon you, the one and only one who is able to do above and beyond all that we could ask or think. Let us ask big. Let us think big. But God, do more. Do the impossible. That which is impossible for us, God. It's not impossible for you. Do it, Lord. That the name of Jesus would be glorified, would be lifted up. That those who have mocked your name would suddenly have encounters with you. And the media would see it and, and report on it. Those that are suddenly coming and turning to Christ. It is not impossible. In fact, it's more than likely that's what you desire to do. Miracles. We pray there's some here this morning who are needing miracles for family members, miracles for loved ones, miracles for friends. God, we just pray that the angels be dispersed to each and every place with healing, Lord God. 
with the word of healing be brought in Jesus' name upon their bodies. Let suddenly sickness disappear, infirmity be gone, affliction be gone, disease be gone, and healing and health be restored in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus for your kingdom purpose, your glory, Lord. That's what we pray and ask for in your holy and mighty name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Why don't you turn and greet someone this morning in the name of the Lord. Just tell them hello. Someone you haven't. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. Just say my name is. <laughs> it's not that hard. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Isn't this a beautiful day? I mean, the day itself. I mean, it is gorgeous outside. I mean, woke up this morning. It was 58 degrees. I went on the last day of April in Louisiana. Really? Wow, God, what a blessing this is. And I said, Lord, I could take another month of this. That'd be all right. And uh, so praise God for that. Well, we just, real quick, we just want to just say we're glad that you're here this morning and Justin, if you'd help me out back there and, and uh, put it on that first slide for me right there. <laughs> Praise God. That's right. There we go. If you're here for the first time, we want to welcome you and just uh, um, get to know you a little bit. And, and if you take a moment, that number that's up on the screen, 337-317-4123, you can simply text welcome, the word welcome. And you will receive a response, and ask, we ask you just take a few moments to fill that out and let us know who you are. And, and we're not going to bombard you with a lot of text messages or anything like that. Please just take a moment to do that. It's a simple way to connect. And if you are here on a regular basis, semi-regular basis, whatever, and you're here today, we'd like to know. We want to know that you're here. We, you know, it's so easy in such a mobile society to, to have people coming and going and miss out who they are, where they are, whatever. And if you just type the word connect to that number right there, then we know that you're here today. And we, we can thank, praise God that you are. And then if you have a prayer need, and this is important because we have a prayer ministry team. We believe in prayer. They, we have people who meet several times a week, and they're praying together. And we can pray with you concerning anything. Simply type the word pray uh, to that same number, and you'll get a response back. And let us know what the prayer need is, and that will be passed along to those individuals uh, that will pray with you concerning that. Um, I just want to make a couple, one, one quick announcement is that next Sunday, say next Sunday, next Sunday is celebra our celebration service Sunday. And uh, there's all kinds of things that are going to be happening. I um, mean, we're going to have time of worship. 
Uh, we have a number of students that competed at the state level and are going to the national level uh, in fine arts, and they're going to be um, sharing the gifting that God has given them. Uh, we're going to be recognizing our graduating seniors. Um, we have, oh my, my goodness, there's so many other things. I'm trying to think of all the, all the stuff that we have. Well, we have a, a, a team from this church uh, that competes uh, throughout the year in junior Bible quiz, and they won at the state level. We're going to recognize them and celebrate what they have done, all their hard work. We have a missions team that just got back from Mexico. They're going to be sharing testimonies of what God did in their lives or happened on that trip. We're going to be celebrating with that. We have water baptism. If you have never been water baptized since coming to Christ, this is your opportunity to do it. And there's a sign-up sheet out, out in the lobby, out there, right up there on the table. If you'll take a moment, just sign up and let us know, and we're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate with you that water baptism, because that is an incredible step. I, re I remember when I got baptized. It was in the middle of January, and it was freezing outside, and it was in a baptistry that was in the floor of the church. They opened up the floor, and you walked down into it, and the water that was pumped in into it was about 48 degrees. And when you walked in, you spoke in tongues. I'm telling you, you were like, you know, I'm a serious man. I mean, my, everybody had walked in, their lips turned blue, but we were celebrated anyway. Well, I can tell you, it's not going to be 48 degrees in the water. And so we're going to celebrate that with you. And then after the service, we're going to go outside and we're going to have burgers and hot dogs and stuff, all this uh, condiments that go with that. There's going to be water slides for the kids. <laughs> Two of them, one for the smaller kids, one for the older kids. And we're going to face painting, all kinds of stuff. I, I will say that we need some people who will volunteer to help serve the food. And um, uh, there's a sign-up list out there. I think there's only like two people signed up. Look, it goes quick. Everybody goes through the line. And we just need some people to help volunteer to do that. So if you haven't and you're willing to uh, help us out with that, that would be a really awesome thing. So uh, take a moment to do that and invite somebody to come with you next Sunday. Because, man, I'm just saying, just tell them free food. They're coming, right? And, and let them see how the church celebrates what God's doing in people's lives. And, and let them see that. Because so many people have a negative idea about the church and that religion and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. It's all dreary and boring. We want to show them that that's not the way it is. We live to celebrate Jesus and, and in people's lives. So we invite you to come and do that, okay? And uh, so as we're getting into the Word, just to remind you... That the word, the word of God says that we, uh, we are stewards of everything that God has given us. How many of you are thankful for the things that the Lord has given you? Amen. But we're managers is what that word means. And, and there's a tithe that belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. I've had people say, I pay my tithes. I said, no, it's not yours. It's the Lord's tithe. That part is his. And boy, when we obey God and trust him with that, it's amazing how God can take 
we give the first 10% and God can take the 90% and make it go further than if you had 120% and kept it to yourself. I'm just telling you, I, I've learned the hard way years and years ago when I struggled with this concept of giving to God. That was a long time ago in my life. And since then, he's always been faithful. How many of you can raise your hand and say, God is faithful? Always is. And there's times that you look at, you know, the paper and the numbers and you go, I don't know how this is going to work. And God says, oh, oh, you're about to see a miracle. You put me first and watch what happens. And God always comes through. So we're so thankful for that. And we have four different ways of doing it. We have boxes on the back wall. You may see an envelope in front. If not, there are envelopes in the back. There's a text to give feature. You can text to that number. There's an app and there's a website that you can give. We don't pass the bucket here unless it's a special offering for someone. And um, we just believe that if you are obedient to God's word, then you're going to give. And, and, and we do that joyfully. I said joyfully, right? Because God loves what? A cheerful giver. Amen. I mean, if, if you're going, oh, boy, here's what I got to do. All right. God says, you might as well just keep it because he doesn't want it. He wants us to be able to recognize that he's the source of everything in our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's go on to the next one. Justin, if you can put me on my first thing. I'll tell you what I want to talk about this morning, and that is that we're going to talk about uh, the enemy's top attack strategies in our life. I just felt impressed to talk about this this morning, and and I'm going I'm going to mention there's there's a lot more I'm sure we could make a whole series out of this. We could take each one of these and just break it down, but I'm going to give you seven different ones uh, very quickly too, and then we're going to give you seven counterattack strategies. Okay, so let, let's get into this a little bit. Uh, I was raised in a military home. How many of you have any connection to military in your family or whatever? Oh, look at that. Wow, over half of you. That's great. Um, I, no military unit of any kind, doesn't matter what branch of the service it, it is, it doesn't matter. No military unit would ever dream of going to war without a battle plan. I mean, you know, they, they practice those things. My father... Uh, spent four years in the Navy and then got tired of being gone on an aircraft carrier nine, ten months at a time. He was a mechanic of, of, of planes. So he, after four years, he got out and joined the Air Force for almost 29 years. And um, he, when he retired, he was a commander on the base. And, and, uh, but he flew, one of the things that he flew, besides jets in his early years, in his later years, he flew B, big B-52 bombers. And, um, and he was a squadron commander over a whole group of those up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, but it doesn't matter what form of the service you're in, you always have a battle plan. And I, I remember one uh, Thanksgiving, they actually allowed us, my father was on alert in the early years of the, uh, of, uh, the, uh, the 60s, um, and they would be on alert, these, these uh Pilots and co-pilots and navigators and bombers, bombers and bombardiers, they all had to live under, in these little tunnels underneath the, the runway area, the taxi area, where their planes were parked. Because if an alert went off, they had five minutes to have those planes in the air. Five minutes. 
and they would practice that. And I grew up on military bases hearing planes taking off, touching down and going, touching down and going. You think, well, why are they doing that? They're practicing. They have specific plans for specific things that they would they would do. And so it doesn't matter if it, you're infantry on the ground or if you're flying in the air or whatever, there are scenarios that you have to understand. And so a, a battle plan is very simply this. It's a strategy to exploit your enemy's weaknesses and to maximize your strengths so that you can win. And, and that's all it is. And so you may have never thought that you needed a battle plan, but you do. Why? Because we have a spiritual enemy, and he does not go to sleep. He does, his forces do not take the night off, do not take a weekend off. They don't say, hey, boss, we need a seven-day pass. They're on, they're on duty 24-7 round the clock. And Satan is waging war against the saints, against God's people. And as Christians, we know that Jesus has already told us that Satan is defeated. Listen, our job is not to defeat Satan because he's already defeated. The scripture tells us in Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed authorities and powers, that's speaking of the, the authorities and powers of darkness, he, Jesus, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them by the cross. He's already defeated Satan, okay? But because Satan is defeated, in, 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 in fact, and in, in that it's sealed, it's done, okay, whatever, but he's still at work. There's coming a day where he, he, it will be his end. But that's not here yet, right? And so he's going to use his strategies as long as he is allowed to and, and come against God's people. So if he has strategies to try and keep us beat down, defeated, whatever, we need to understand that. And the problem is that we're commonly attacked with certain things and we don't recognize that as being a spiritual attack. Some of you have, are under attack or have been under attack in the area of your finances. Got quiet. People conflicts. Quiet again. Other kinds of strategic challenges. And we just look at it and think that it's natural. But if you take a step back, a lot of times, I've seen it when someone makes a commitment. I had somebody one time tell me, he said, Pastor, Pastor, I don't understand. He said, I gave my heart to Jesus yesterday. He said, and Monday morning, all hell broke loose against me. Why did that happen? I said, because you gave your heart and life to Jesus on Sunday. And they said, well, I thought it was going to be, you know, everything was going to be great. And I said, God's not putting a force field around you. You're, he's now going to train you in the art of war. He's going to train you in the art of spiritual war. Nobody told me that when I was a young Christian. I had this concept. I was told, I would, look, it was during the hippie movement in, in that day, and, and we were told Jesus is the greatest high, man. You just need to take Jesus, and man, it's going to be awesome. You know, like we're all going to trip out on Jesus. And, and nobody told me that, you know, anytime, and I should have known because if you ever got high, the, you got to come down. And when you come down, it, it makes everything else look worse. 
But nobody told me about spiritual battles. Nobody told me about spiritual wars. Nobody told me these things. It took years before I even heard about that. And so those things that are happening in our lives oftentimes have spiritual motives behind it. The enemy's trying to derail you, trying to discourage you, all of those things. And the scripture reminds us that there's more going on in our life. There's a role that we play or a part that we have. And when we follow Christ, that there's a struggle between good and evil. And the spiritual battle often plays out in the natural realm. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean every bad thing that happens to you is a spiritual thing. You know, you can be going down the road, get a flat tire. No, there wasn't a demon down there sticking his you know, finger in your tire to give you a flat. So things happen. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. But there are times that things, it's like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, and you have to step back and go, what is this about? What is going on? And you realize there's something up here. This is a spiritual battle that you're in, okay? Ephesians 6 and 12, what does it say? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's where our struggle is. But it's played out here on the earth, okay? And so we know that this is true, but there are there practical ways to help us stand? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to stand against evil. We're not called to fold. We're not called to run. We're not called to flee. We're called to stand, okay? And one of the best ways to overcome the enemy rather than be defeated is to understand or know his tactics. In fact, the scripture says we are not ignorant concerning his ways. I wish that were true because so much of the church is ignorant concerning the ways the enemy works. Um, the Art of War, a book that is probably one of the oldest and most successful books on military strategy, has influenced military leaders and military strategists for years and years and years. And there's a quote in there that I remember from years ago that I was reminded of this past week by the author Sun Tzu. And he said this, he said, he who exercises no forethought but makes light of his opponents is sure to be captured by them. It's a simple statement. But it's very, very true, even in the spiritual realms. If we make light of the enemy or we ignore him and we, we think that we're untouchable or he can't do anything to us, wait. Remember the story when Satan came to God and he talked about, and God says, have you seen my servant Job? And he goes, oh yeah, well Job, he, he follows you, he blesses you because you've put a hedge around him. Drop that hedge and see what happens. And ever since, he says, fine, you can do whatever you want, but you can't take his life. And boy, I mean, did Satan take God up on that word? He pushed him to the very edge, even to the point where his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, when, you, when your family's turning against you, things have gotten pretty bad. And, and we need to understand that the enemy is up to certain things. He has specific strategies that he does use. And when we recognize those strategies, we can quickly counteract them, okay? First uh, John 4 and 4 says, the one who is within you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
But that's not a passive thing. In other words, we don't go, greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. No. I mean, it's not a passive thing. In other words, like you're untouchable. We have to understand that there are times. We still have to battle. There are struggles, but that we have to stand. To be able to stand when the enemy's coming against you, how many of you know it takes effort to do that, okay? So let's just look at seven, seven strategies real quick. And the first one is that the enemy wants to instill fear. I put it down as first um, because fear is is such a powerful tool because if he can get you to fear, you're out of the game. You're going to run and take, you know, it's like you're just going to, you're going to turn around and run. You're going to leave. Second Timothy one and seven, the first part of it, what does it say? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is Satan's primary weapon. Because if, if he can instill fear in any way, form, or fashion, you're, you're out. And he doesn't have to worry about you anymore. It's a spiritual force that begins inside of us. I want you to think about that. And, and once it gets inside, it's like a seed that blooms instantly. And it, it is destructive because it robs you of your faith and it robs you of your peace. Okay? Fear keeps your focus on circumstances instead of on the promises of God's word. Fear instantly turns us inward. What if this? 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 And, and, and fear begins to grow. And every time you play it over and over, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so instead of keeping our focus on God's word and his promises, he keeps our focus on, on that. And in the Bible, over 110 times that I could find, and maybe more, says fear not. Fear not, 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 fear not. Why would God say that over and over again? Because fear is a powerful weapon. It's a powerful tool. A great example is found in Matthew 14. It's the story of where the disciples are rowing on the water, you know, and, and, and a storm comes up. And, and the Bible says it was a great storm. In other words, it was an unusual storm. And they were fearful and they saw somebody walking on the water and it was Jesus, remember? And, and they're fearful. They say, it's a ghost. Oh! And somebody says, no, I think it's the Lord. And, and so they said, Lord, Peter says, Lord, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And the Lord says, come. And Peter jumps out of the boat. And I know the 11 guys behind them, they weren't going, let's go with them. No, they were going, you're going to die. You're going to sink. You're an idiot. And then he starts walking on the water. And I know how they all are because you know, they were like, that's Peter. That's my boy, man. That's my man. He, he can do it, you know. Then he begins to sink. And they go, I told you he's going to sink. That's how fickle people are. That's how the, it's just the way they are. But, but Jesus invites Peter to come and look at verse, four, verse 30. It says, but when he, speaking of Peter, saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And he shouted, save me, Lord. What enabled Peter to walk on the water? It was his faith in the word of Jesus that said, come. Right? What caused Peter to sink when he saw the wind and the waves? The word he heard, he acted on it. Immediately the circumstances blew up 
around him and his focus changed from Jesus to the stuff that was going on around him. It wasn't the wind and the waves that, that defeated him. It was the fear of the wind and the waves. And so there's a counterattack. When the enemy brings fear, what do we do? Okay, I just put up four things. First of all, you better be meditating on God's word. You can't, you can't do the verse a day thing. You know, the daily bread thing. You know what I'm talking about? My mama used to have one of those in the windowsill over this kitchen sink. And every day she'd pull a little card out and had a little verse. Like verse a day. Man, when, when the enemy comes and you pull a verse and it goes, love God with all your heart. You know, that in, in and of itself is a good thing. But when you're in a battle with the enemy, you need God's promises. You need his word. You need to be meditating on it so that in the moment when it happens, it comes up immediately. You're not scrambling going, oh, 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 I need a verse. I need a verse. You're meditating on God's word. And then you speak God's word. How many of you know the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But faith is the result of what's coming out of your mouth. It's from what's down in here. It needs to come out. You need to say it. You need to speak God's word. If you don't know what it is, then get it out and read it out loud. Till fear leaves. I'm telling you. You need to rebuke it. Why? Because it's a spirit. It's a spirit of fear. You say, well, well fear is not always a spirit. Well, there's a you know, healthy fear. For example, go stand out in the middle of Johnston Street. And if you don't have a fear, then something's wrong with you. I mean, just pulling out on Johnston Street is bad enough, right? Come on now. You know, I mean, it really is. Or if you get to one of those engineered places like over on Camellia, you know, where you got to go 14 lanes this way, that way, whatever, you know. I, I'm always fear. am I in the right lane, you know. That, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fear that paralyzes you. You have that spirit. You need to rebuke it. And then I put on there, pray in the spirit. Pray any way you can, but pray in the spirit. That's a powerful thing. In fact, the month of May, the May 28th, Sunday, May 28th is Pentecost Sunday. And I believe we're just going to have some focus on, in those Sundays, at least a few of them, on the power of Pentecost and the power of the Spirit of God and the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's a side note, okay? So the first, the first strategy is fear. The second one I put up is that the enemy prevents joy uh, by causing discouragement. So I could have just simply said discouragement. And, and really, I say fear is number one. This one could almost be number one. It's, it's a real close number one. It's a, it's, a, it's a close second. Let's put it that way, okay? Because um, I've seen this work. I've seen discouragement take more out of churches and the good people that is in them than anything else. Come on now. We've all battled it. We've all been there. And, and especially if that discouragement is prolonged. It's one thing to be discouraged, like to get bad news. And you had your hopes up about something. And you find out it didn't happen. Okay. You know, we, we all, we've all had that happen. We go, oh, 
Golly, I can't believe. Oh, well, go on with it. But when it's prolonged day after day, week after week after week, it becomes something evil. It really is. And, it, and, and we are most susceptible to discouragement when our perspective is off-center. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? When this happens when the enemy begins whispering his lies into your mind. How many of you know 95% of the spiritual battles you have are right here? See, he comes along. What did he do when he met Eve in the garden? He says, has God said? Has God really said that? Has God really promised you that? Has God really said that? And he speaks that, and that's where the battle begins. So he whispers those negative thoughts into your mind. Negative thoughts, discouraging thoughts that just come out of nowhere. How many of you have just had a, like a thought just out of nowhere, and you're like, where did that come from? It's the enemy. He's trying to find if there's fertile ground to plant that seed. And, and if we go, I never thought of that. <gasps> Oh, and now all of a sudden you're thinking about it. That thing's going to plant itself. It's going to clamp down and discouragement is going to find a, a place to root and it's going to spread. How many of you have gardens? How many of you plant weeds? <laughs> Nobody plants weeds, but they show up, don't they? And if you, if you wait too long, what happens? They overtake the whole garden. And they choke everything out. That's what happens when the enemy comes along. He whispers his lies into our mind. And if we just let it find root, all of a sudden, all the promises and the, 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 the blessing of God is suddenly gone. And all we see is, oh, the lies and oh, oh, oh. Um, and sometimes those lies are hard to distinguish or recognize because they sound like they could be true. He's good at making stuff sound really close to being true. In fact, I've always said, God, the devil will float 99 truths if he can get you to believe one lie that'll damn your soul. That's why the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. We got to know his voice. We need to know the voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit's voice, and not the voice of the enemy. And if we're always listening to the voice of the enemy, then, we're, then we go, that sounds, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then he makes sense. And then all of a sudden he drops that one that's, that's an outright lie, but we've become accustomed to hearing that voice. We accept the lie. And that thing just blows up like weeds. When you think things like, you're all alone. No, you're, you're by yourself. No one cares. Nothing's working. God's forgotten you. Man, I bet if we went around this room, we could come up with a list a mile long of those lies. If you're having those thoughts continually, you're off center and something's wrong. You've believed a lie because essentially the enemy gets you to believe the lie and those lies discourage you and now the spirit of discouragement has come on you. How do we counterattack it? The Bible talks about taking every thought into captivity 
concerning Christ. In other words, again, you've got to get back to the promises of this word. When the enemy says, you're all alone, nobody cares, I, you need the word of God. You, you need to be able to say, I'm not all alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, he has sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of me. I am not alone. He does care because he sent his spirit to live inside of me. And he's with me each and every day. We need to respond with the truth. We need to take every thought captive. We need to respond with the truth. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. I used to have a guy, the guy wanted to tell me that one time. He goes, he said, man, my mind. He said, oh, I said, what's wrong? He said, I keep having these bad thoughts. And I said, so what are you doing about it? He goes, oh, well, I'm trying to have good thoughts. <laughs> I said, man, I said, that's like two guys locked in a ring and there's no end in sight. You know, I mean, you've got to voice the word of God. You've got to voice the promises of God. Um, Another thing to do when you're, when you're discouraged is get some time with some, someone who is spiritually mature to help you see more clearly. And I don't care how many years you've been serving God. Sometimes you just have to have someone who can back you up help clear the windshield a little bit. I remember when I first learned to drive, I just, I got my driver's, temporary driver's license in California. It was on a little piece of paper. And two days later, we moved cross country to Alabama. Or as they said down there, Alabama. <laughs> and I went from California to Alabama. And my dad put me and my two brothers in one car and he and my mom and four sisters were in the other car. And so I remember we're driving through the desert and this bug or bird or something hit my windshield in front of me and man, it just pow. I mean, all of us jumped. My brother and I were all jumped and everything. But now I'm trying to drive looking around that splatter and it was right in the middle of the windshield. So my brother, who's like 13 months younger than me, had this great idea. He said, let me wash it off. And I said, what are you gonna wash it off with? He said, I got a Coke right here. And so he, he leans out the window with his Coca-Cola and he pours it on the window and I take the windshield wiper and do this. Coca-Cola back then was nothing but sugar. And I mean, that sugar just hardened and it spread whatever it was all over. Now I can't see anything, literally nothing at all. And so I'm, I'm telling my brother on this side, is there anybody in front of me? I mean, I couldn't see taillights, I couldn't see headlights, I couldn't see anything. And, and, and I wanted to stop and my brother was like, if you stop, we're gonna lose sight of dad, mom and dad, we're gonna get lost. I said, we've already lost sight of them. I can't see anything, we gotta stop. And, and, uh, and, and, and I learned that on a trip, make sure your windshield wiper fluid thing is full, you know, and make sure, make sure you got water in the car or something. And, and I, we had to stop and try and scrub the bugs off. I remember taking, taking a, a, I had a library card and I remember scraping the guts of whatever that was plus the sugar from the Coke enough that I could see like a hole this big. We got back on, I'm doing like 85 miles an hour trying to catch up with my parents' station wagon. Oh man, I'm just telling you, I really needed to just pull off and be able to clean the whole windshield. Sometimes in your life, you just got to call a timeout. 
And you say, I need to talk to somebody. But you know why we don't do it? Well, I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> but another thing to do is when you're discouraged, you start looking for the good things that God is doing, God has done. Call into remembrance how God has never failed you, the times that he's bailed you out, all of those things, and be grateful. Learn to be grateful in that, okay? That's how you counteract discouragement. When, when you're discouraged, you speak forth the goodness and great, how gratefulness your heart is towards the Lord. The third tactic that he uses is the enemy stirs up pride, okay? The enemy prevents humility by promoting self-sufficiency. See, now, most of us, when I said pride, you probably felt like, Boasting, prideful, and that is pride, right? But we're, we're aware of that. So the enemy's not going to come at us with that necessarily because we're, we're, we're probably all turned off by I don't know about you. Have you. How many of you have ever been around somebody who just thinks they're the hottest thing since sliced bread? You know, and, and you're like, get away. Please just go away, right? Am I right? Okay. So the, we, we, the enemy is not going to use something that, that we despise. But more than likely, it's not going to be that unbridled kind of pride that is our downfall. It's that sneaky kind of pride. When you say, well, what am I talking about? It, it, it may even be masked as something positive or something good or whatever. But it usually creeps up in the form of, I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. It's not, it's not the healthy version of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the idea, it's the unwise thing that says, I don't need God, I can do this myself. Now we wouldn't say, I don't need God. It's just that I can do this. I got this. I can do it. That begins to form a sense of unhealthy self-sufficiency. And that is pride sneaking in through the back door. I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of that before. Self-sufficiency is a deadly scheme of the enemy. We don't believe we can live without God's help, we, but we often behave like we can't. And that's the difference. We wouldn't say, oh, we would say, oh, I need God, I need God, I need God. But then we go out and live our life like we don't need God. I mean, we need God for everything. Everything. If we ever get to where we think, we, we, I, well, I can do this without God, that's dangerous. Lord, I need you. When I get up in the morning, my feet hit the floor even before I head for the bathroom. I'm like, Lord, I'm awake and I need you today. I need you. So what's the counteract? How do we counteract that? Be grateful. Be grateful because now we're acknowledging the, what God has done. We can't be self-sufficient and acknowledge what God has done. You know, you can't do both. It's, and, and, and then humble yourself. And, and, and there's different ways of doing that. Serve. The Bible says if you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to serve. 
You know, almost all, all the time that in, in ministry as a pastor or on staff, whatever, but especially as a pastor, I, I never forget, I was pastoring a church in North Louisiana, and, and we had fellowship dinners once a month. We had a huge fellowship hall and kitchen and all that kind of stuff. I wish we had that here, but we don't. And, um, but I'll give you good news along that line. When I came here 18 and a half years ago, this church was in debt, almost $2 million with 20-something people counting kids with a 40-year mortgage. It was bad. And as of last month, we went right under the $1 million mark. Now, I'm praying God send somebody that wants to knock that thing down like boom so that the interest is not being spent for a bank. It's being spent on ministry. Amen? Just a side thought. <laughs> humble yourself. How do you humble yourself? Fast. Deny yourself meal. Deny yourself food. Serve. Don't be quick to judge other Christians. You know, we've got to be careful about that, right? And, and, and uh, openly depend on God. Remind God each and every day, Lord, I need you. I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Oh, yeah, I mean, come on now. We've got to have that attitude, okay? Let me go on. Number four, the enemy prevents unity by creating division. That's what he wants to do. He's good at that. Look, he divided heaven. <laughs> I mean, of all places, he found a place to divide heaven. So he's going to do the same thing down here on earth, right? Proverbs 13 and 10 said, pride leads to conflict. The enemy loves it when churches split. The enemy loves it when church members are envious of other people in the fellowship. The enemy loves it when leadership can't get along. The enemy just loves division. He loves and loves and loves and loves. I told you some time back that a missionary friend of mine from Louisiana years ago, he was over all of Central America, and he said, we, he, he said, we do churches different down here in Central America. We, we build churches by addition. Y'all do it by division. That's what he said. He said, in America, you, 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 you multiply by division. He said, we do it down here by addition. Division is a quiet killer in the church. It's quiet because it, it's birthed behind closed doors. And then it spreads. And then somewhere, somehow, boop, out it comes. And here's the thing, unity is not static. And what I mean by that is that that when, even if you have it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're guaranteed to keep it. it it's, it's, it's something you have to strive for. You have to work intentionally toward. It's a form of spiritual alignment that requires intentional action. How many of you, uh, the other day I noticed my car all of a sudden feels like it's pulling to the right. Well, if you drive on Louisiana roads, uh, you, you know, I remember when they used to have you, the, you used to be able to buy a lifetime alignment. 
And when I, I moved to Louisiana, they, they didn't have such a thing down here. And when I, before I moved, I lived in Alabama, you could buy an alignment, and it was a lifetime alignment, they called it, you know, because I guess they figured you wouldn't have your car very long and you'd change over or whatever. I moved down here, man, I was constantly having to get my car aligned. You know, we don't fix highways. We just put up signs that say substandard roadway ahead. You know, and you see every three miles there's a sign, substandard roadway ahead. I mean, what if we spent the money for fixing the road rather than just put up signs warning them? But I noticed that my car was kind of pulling to the right a little bit. And so I, I was going down the interstate and I just took my hand off the wheel and went that way. And I said, okay, now if I could leave it that way, but how many of you know what's going to happen? If you leave your car out of alignment eventually, you run it far enough, them t your tires are going to be completely shot. And you're going to wear them out prematurely because you don't stop to bring it back into alignment, to have someone who's skilled enough to know how to do that bring it back into alignment. And so in the same way that it's easy to lose focus on something, Something distracts you, something comes along that way, whatever. I mean, it's easy for unity to be lost. Pressure stresses unity, immature challenges bring it along, competition, um, pride, envy, all those kinds of things. So how do you counteract um, an, the enemy trying to bring disunity? You fight for unity in 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 the spirit and culture and vision and oneness, refuse to be a part of anything divisive. Now, look, we've all been caught up in things, and then you realize, I'm wrong. But we, we, rather than admit we're wrong, we want to just continue to kind of run that thing and hope that nobody notices. If you do that, it's like driving your car without realigning it. You're going to eventually come to the point where you got to have it realigned. Now you got to buy new tires, and maybe you've worn out some other part of the front end on your car. We have to refuse to be a part of anything that's divisive and strive to keep the unity of the faith. Ephesians 4 and 3, make every effort. Say every effort. Every effort. Why does he say effort? Because it's an effort. <laughs> if it was easy, you wouldn't have to put forth an effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That means there has to be peace. There has to be. So you strive to do that, okay? Number five, the enemy prevents commitment by encouraging complacency. Now, it's amazing how often after a great Sunday service, the enemy shows up with a Monday ambush. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on now. I'm glad I'm not just talking to myself. I mean, you just say, oh, man, I'm ready for whatever this week brings. And out of nowhere on Monday comes an ambush. And if it don't come Monday, it's coming on Tuesday. He's right behind it. I mean, really. And, 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 Sometimes what happens when we get caught off guard like that, we, we say in our mind, I'm going to quit. Some of you have been around here long enough know that I used to say, I quit every Monday. And, and then some of you started texting me going, Pastor, we just want to let you know we love you and it's Monday. <laughs> 
And, uh, but I have a picture in my office. I have a picture from, from when I was a youth pastor. And, and, and I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit as a youth pastor, but I had like 80 kids at summer camp. And every time I wanted to quit, I remember that picture. Why? Because I had been in ministry and I had quit the ministry because I got hurt by people in the church. Imagine that. Hurt by people in the church. See, it don't bother you. You can get hurt by people out there. That's like water off a duck's back. But in the church, oh, right? I mean, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and, um, but I had told God, I said, I will go into business and I will give money to missionaries and I'll give money to, mi to ministry, but I'm not going back into the ministry. But thank God for my former spiritual father who recognized the call of God on my life and he would come three times a week to my restaurant. And he'd, he'd always come real early or usually after the lunch rush. And he'd place his order and he'd say, tell Zucchini to come out here. And uh, so I'd go out to his vehicle and sit there and we'd talk. And he'd talk to me sometimes like that. He'd say, boy, when you going to quit running from God? I ain't running from God. Who are you kidding? That's the way he would talk to me. And other times he would love me, but he knew I needed, when I needed my chain yanked and when it, he, I needed an arm around me. And uh, I'm just telling you, and finally he said, Bob, he said, you can run, but you can't hide from God. And it was at that summer camp that I recognized the call of ministry on my life and that it wasn't business that God had called me to. It was his business. And I surrendered at that camp. And I keep that picture to remind me that when I want to quit, I have to remember what God said to me at that camp in Tennessee. The enemy comes, and we get pow, pow. We get hit from this side, that side. And finally, we just say, you know what? I'm not going to quit, but I'm just kind of going to take my foot off the gas a little bit. I'm going to cruise here. And we say something like, I've paid my dues. Or this is good enough. Good enough doesn't belong in the Christian's vocabulary. It's all for Jesus. All for Jesus. And the enemy is happy for us to pull back just a little bit. He wants us to pull back. And if he can't get you to quit, pull off the gas. Slow it down. So how do we counterattack that? First, you've got to be committed to the work of God. But notice I put a but in there. But don't overwork. Now, please listen to me. I'm trying to give you a balanced thing here. Be committed to the work of God, but don't overwork. Keep your heart hot for God, 
and put him first. Okay? How many have got that? Because I want to go on. Because your intimacy with God is the fuel that fires your commitment to the mission. And when you lose that intimacy with the Lord, then the fuel's gone. How many of you have ever tried to stretch? You, you, you all of a sudden you see your car, your vehicle's on E, and you know there's a gas station right down the road. And you're trying to get there. You do everything. You shut off the AC, roll down the window. Come on now. You roll down the windows. You're slowing down. You get in the right lane. You know, you're like, come on, 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 come on. And you're praying to get there, right? Because <laughs> you've run out of fuel. I mean, the cars. You're like, come on. Just another two spits and we can make it. I remember one time when I was young, I was so stupid. I passed a gas station because it was five cents more a gallon than the one a half a mile down the road. And guess where I ended up? In between both gas stations. Trying to save five cents. Come on now. I know somebody. Has anybody else done that? Nobody's going to admit it. Okay, well, I did. That's fine. Uh, you have to be committed to the work of God and, and you've got to remind yourself, why am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Why am I a follower of Christ? You must remember your calling. Listen to me. He called you. He's called you. He called you. When we were yet sinners, he died for us. He went looking for you. You have to remember that. You have to remind yourself of that. And realize that commitment is what brings fruit and joy out of your life. It's not being wishy-washy about it. Okay? The sixth thing, the strategy he uses, that the enemy steals your peace. And some of these things work in order. Pride comes in. You know, and then when he does that, discouragement comes. And when discouragement comes, you know, then, then he takes this and then he takes this. And he's not going to just give it one shot. I mean, he's going to unload if he can. And he wants to steal your peace because the peace of God is one of the most powerful gifts in our life. You say, why? He, he doesn't want you to have it. He wants to steal it. Why? Because it's valuable. It's a valuable gift in your life. Why? Because in the way that he could steal your peace is get you overly busy for God. Did you hear that? Remember earlier I said be committed but not overworked. I remember when I heard Catherine Kuhlman one time and somebody said something to her and she said, I'm just going to burn out for Jesus. And I understood what she meant, but I remembered if you cut your life 10 years shorter because you just go, 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 God could have used you 10 years more. And if you get overworked and you get burned out, it's easy to get discouraged. Then it's easy to get beat down. It's easy to lose your peace. So there has to be a balance there. And Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God 
rule your hearts. That means govern your hearts. The peace of God. And then when the peace is gone, it's, it's, it's like the... It's like the low fuel light on your, your car letting you know you're about out of fuel. You better do something. Your peace guides you. Your, your peace is that inner sanctum, that place where you can, you can rest in. You may be in the middle of a storm, but the peace is there. Come on now. The Bible says in Proverbs, guard your heart. For out of it flow the very issues of life. So you have to guard that peace. And so how do you counteract it? Don't let ministry, busyness, crowd out your time with God and your family. Listen. The Bible talks about it. You may benefit by gaining the whole world. But if you lose your family, what have you gained? If you lose yourself, what have you gained? Don't let ministry, and when I say ministry, all of you have ministry. You, you're planted somewhere on your job, wherever you are. You're called to be a, an ambassador of the cross, the ambassador of Christ. And you have to be careful that you don't let Busyness crowd out time for God and family. You know the old saying it, it, about being busy for the Lord. We can be so busy for the Lord that we forget the Lord. We've left him behind. We put his business first. Jesus often said, could, would you, when he was growing up, he told his parents, he said, Did, how, how, how could you not know that I'd be about my father's business? But we, we saw that, we see that, but how many more times did we see? And Jesus separated himself from the rest to spend time with his father. You have to spend time with God. You have to spend balanced time with your family. And I say balanced because you can let your family things overbalance things to where your family comes before God. Your family's coming before your ministry. We have to learn how to balance that out. The second one I have up there it may seem strange, but have some fun along the way. Because I can tell you there was a long period of time in my early part of ministry that we didn't have any fun in my house because it was all about ministry. It was all about God. It was all about that. And I was so wrong in that. The third thing is remain focused and purposeful. And then the last one is the hardest one for so many. And that's learn to say no. What do I mean by that? If you cannot say no to keep balance in your life, then you'll get out of balance. Uh, one day I remember I was reading the scripture and, and they were criticizing someone for doing something for Jesus. And Jesus, they said, you know, the woman with the alabaster box and said, oh, this could have been sold and given to the poor, you know, the money for a whole year and all that. And Jesus basically said, the poor you'll have with you always. And I can tell you that the needy you'll always have with you. Are you hearing me? 
The minute you meet a need, there's 10 more right behind them. And that doesn't mean that you just say, oh, I'm done. No, it just means there's times you have to say you can't do it all. And if you try and do it all, you're taking away the opportunity for someone else to do something. It's like the guy spinning the plates. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And he's running back and forth, and then plates are wobbling because he's trying to keep all those plates spinning. It would be easier if he had 10 other guys on the stage going, those four are yours, those four are yours, those four are yours. So learn to say no when you have to say no to bring balance into your life, okay? Slow down for your most important relationships and don't make them another to-do list. If you make them a to-do list, then it becomes a drudgery in your life. Um, just be careful of that. And, and, and I would say that that's where the principle of the Sabbath comes in. Jesus and the Jew, God gave the Jews the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, there were so many things they couldn't do because it was meant for God. There has to be a day that is for you and God, your family, that kind of thing, okay? And then let me wrap this up. You're not going to get this overnight. It's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You don't swallow it whole, right? It's a lifetime process. You have to understand it's a lifetime process. And the enemy will change his tactics, so we have to recognize when he does so that we, we change our counterattack, Right? And so there's three simple daily steps, and I'll close with this. The first one is put on the armor of God. It's simple, but it's important. Put on the armor of God. You cannot see your active war, warfare, spiritual warfare, as something passive. God didn't put a spiritual force field over you where nothing can touch you. You have to... Go into battle. Ephesians 6 and 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, okay? The second thing is not only put on the armor of God, pray. I originally had up there, pray, 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 and then pray again. But I figured I wouldn't bore you with that. Pray. In fact, Paul closes out his letters to the church in Ephesus, to the believers there. And Ephesians 6, 18, he says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. I mean, that's what he's saying there. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Listen, we know it. But sometimes we have to be reminded, prayer in Jesus' name is the most powerful force on earth. In the name, Jesus said, in my name, these things you'll do. Okay? And then the last of those three things is put on the armor of God, pray, and then trust God because victory is already secured. It's already secured. What do I mean by that? In, in terms of spiritual battles, Satan is already defeated. But there are battles still to be had. 
You go into it knowing that God is equipped. God has given you promises. God has given you His Word. God has given you the Spirit. God has given you the teaching. God is with you. He is there to fight your battles. We're dependent upon Him. We recognize that. And, and, and we have God search our heart on a daily basis. But recognize there's, there's going to be times. I'm just going to be just blunt with you on this, okay? There's going to be times when it doesn't seem like you're winning. Come on. It, there's going to be times where it does, just seems like you're butting your head against a brick wall. There's no progress being made except you're getting a headache. And, and there may be times where it, seems, it feels like that you're actually losing ground it's the give and take the Bible says having done all to stand when the dust settles and the battle's over you're still standing that's the point you don't quit you don't throw in the towel you say I'm still here when the, when the dust settles from whatever skirmish you're in, you're able to say, Hey, devil, I'm still standing. And understand that it's when it's in those times where you, you're kind of like a tug of war is going on. You're, 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 you're trying to stand your ground, whatever. The enemy kicks it into high gear. He brings everything that he can, but he's already defeated. The one in you is greater than every demon in hell. And just the name of Jesus alone is enough to cause them to tremble. He knows who you are. I talked about it last week. God knows your name. And the devil does too if you're a child of God. If, if he didn't, he wouldn't be coming against you the way he is. It's just the way he is. He recognizes that. So when, that, when you get into those moments and you feel like throwing in the towel, anybody ever been there? Everybody, anybody ever just said, I'm done. I'm through. Take this. I'm gone. No, 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 no. We're going to stand. We're going to stand our ground. And when the dust settles, we're still going to be standing. We take heart. We go into the fray. We don't quit. We put on the armor of God. We pray. We trust God because God is with you. And I tell you, I want to pray right now. I just I feel like there's some of you, you feel like you're in the battle of battles right now. And I'm not trying to measure your battle against somebody else's battle, but you're in a battle, you're in a struggle right now. realize it's time to stand it's time to hold your ground it's time to plant yourself and 
trust God to sustain you. And I want to pray for you right now. And if that is you, would you just boldly just stand right where you're at? Don't need to know the details or anything else. There's a number of you standing. number of you standing. Yeah, there's still more coming up. Come on, let's be honest about it. Let's be honest about it. else there's another one who else you ready to stand take a stand thank you there's another one you're ready to take a stand come on anybody else we want to pray for you that's all we want to do we want to just agree with you I want you to know you're not in it alone there's somebody who's standing with you I'm going to be with you through it God is we know that Holy Spirit is it's like the little boy turned to his daddy one day and said, I know God's with me, but I need God with some skin on. I need God right now. I'm going to ask you to do one more bold thing. You're already standing. Would you just come and stand right here across the front? We're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you. We have some people who are coming also who are going to pray with you we're just going to stand with you that's all we're doing we're, we're coming to pray with you and stand with you right now come on come on in that's right here. we don't bite <laughs> praise God anybody else come on you want to you, you want someone to pray with you just agree with you right now come on Find you a place. Come on, that's right. We're going to have some of the folks on the prayer ministry team just come stand right behind you right now. Come on, team. If you'll just come and stand behind them. If, if there's not enough of you, if you have to stand there behind one, behind two, that's fine. doesn't matter. We're just going to stand and begin to pray with you. And if we want you right where you're at, look, I don't know what battle you're in. I don't know what condition you're in. I don't know where you're at. I don't know, but God does. You call out to God right now, and we're going to have people who are going to stand and agree with you right now. They're going to agree with you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Right there. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray for them right now. We agree, Lord God, that God, we just stand with them. We thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, Holy Ghost, move. Move mightily on their lives, Lord God. Move mightily on their lives. God, this great things, great things, great things are in store. 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 Hallelujah, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We, we stand, Lord God. We stand in the midst of it. We stand. Yes, Lord, we stand. We stand. We're not quitting. We're not backing down. We come against every negative thought that's been tried to plant, be planted in their mind. We come against that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we come against it right now. In Jesus.
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We come against it right now. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. That which you've started, you're more than able to complete and bring to completion, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God, Father. Right now, in Jesus' name. Every negative thought, every negative word, we come against in Jesus' name. We cancel that out in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak your word over them and let it be brought to pass, Lord God. God, we go forward. We're not going back. We're not turning around. We're not quitting. We're not throwing in the towel. We're not going to run away in the battle. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of your word and your spirit, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, let this discouragement fall off right now. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength, Lord. The joy of the Lord be your strength, Lord. But the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord be restored. Glory, 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 God. someone's battling depression it may be you it may be somebody else whatever won't you come stand right here come on come on in come on I want you kind of make 
kind of a little bit of a semicircle kind of around here. Those of you, so we know who you are, who you are. It's either you or somebody that you know or whatever is battling depression. Why don't you come make, kind of make a semicircle right here. Come on around. Pretend like I'm the beginning of it. Just come around. I want people to come all around you. I want people to come all around you. That is a sinister... Look, there are physical things that can cause that. I understand chemical imbalances and things like that. I understand that. But so much of depression is sinister. It's evil. And it has become... It's because someone has believed a lie and, and they've given it time to root and now it's overrun their life. And, and when it gets that way, you can't even see the light of day. You can't even see. It's like looking up to touch the bottom and you can't even find the bottom. I just, I just felt that right now. I want people all around that, that you know the Holy you, you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to get all around this group of this semicircle group of people. And I want you to just begin to pray in the Spirit. I know it sounds silly, but I just saw like a ring of fire circling around them and burning through and breaking through that darkness of depression. If you've never been there, you can't comprehend how how powerful that spirit is. But in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come against the spirit of depression upon each person represented by those who are standing here right now. Whether they're in this circle or they're someplace else, we break that destructive power over them right now. Father, that one who's considering taking their life even, Father, in Jesus' name, send angels right now to intervene and stop it. Remove the blinders from their eyes. Break through the darkness in their mind. That's where the lie is. We come against the lies that they believe. I think we come against it in the name of Jesus. Father, let the light of your word break forth in the darkness of their mind. And suddenly, like headlights coming on in the nighttime, God, there's an awareness that something else is out there. Lord, let them cry out to you. Let them cry out, Jesus. Jesus. Deliver them now, Father, in Jesus' name. When the man from Gadira, God, when you, Jesus, you spoke to him, the people from out of town came and they found him in his right mind and fully clothed. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, supernaturally break the spirit off of individuals represented by those that are standing here. There may be someone watching by way of the internet right now. I break that demonic thing over you. I break that darkness over you. I break that spirit of hopelessness over you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Break through that darkness, Father. Let that ring of fire break through the darkness. Illuminate the lies. In Jesus' name, 
In Jesus' name, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. I believe, I, I can't explain it. I, that weight I felt a moment ago is gone. I feel it just breaking like links on a chain one by one by one by one completely breaking off you know who it is you're standing in for you know who they are I want you within the next 24 hours to reach out to that individual reach out to them as the spirit leads you pray then reach out to them whether it's face to face over a phone call whatever let them know that you stood for them and that the, 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 the depression and the darkness and the hopelessness is broken off of them in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that resides within you. When they say, how can I know that? You can say, because I know what he's done for me. And he'll do the same for you. Pray that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Total freedom. Total deliverance. Totally set free, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are called to be ministers of reconciliation. That's what the Bible says. You are called. God comes after the ones that know they have a calling on their life. And the enemy wants to stop you. Yield to the Lord. Resist the devil. Surrender to God and resist the devil. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We release you into your mission field right now in Jesus' name.